Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you guys. Um, if, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this Hill City team, and happy that you are here today if this is your first time, and uh, just thankful that you're spending a portion of your Sunday here with us. Um, you guys, we did it. So we made it to the last week of this Something is Happening series. We did it. And uh, so this is, I think, week 14. So uh, but th that was originally going to be six weeks. So we're in it, and uh, we have a special guest uh, with us this Sunday. Um, he's a dear friend of Lacey and mine, and uh, just sometimes you get around people that exude the goodness and sweetness of God, um, that exude like kind of this spirit-filled element um, that you're just like, ah, man, God is in this person. And the first time I met Eric um, was a few years ago now at this point, but uh, he is someone who models vulnerability incredibly well, is a gatherer of people. He makes people feel so seen and so known uh, immediately, and he's a, a gift to the church. He is a lead pastor, co-lead pastor uh, down at Grace Bible Church down in Virginia Beach, and uh, he is here to close out this series here this morning. We give him a warm welcome as he comes up here. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, all those kind things, very nice. How about that band? Good night. Wow, 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 that was incredible. You get to do that every week? I no wonder you come to church here. I, I would come to church here. That was unbelievable. I want to get that arrangement of Blessed Assurance and bring it back to our church like as soon as possible. That was incredible. Um, I am really glad to be with you today. John said, my name is Eric. Uh, I've been a pastor at Grace Bible Church in Virginia Beach uh, for about 20 years. Actually, we celebrated 20 years just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, oh, thank you. Oh, man, this is a clapping church. This is great. This is really fun. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about um, our family real quick, just introduce myself to you. This is uh, a picture of our family from a couple years ago. Uh, my wife and I have five kids, and uh, there, there they are. Um, our oldest is in the Navy now, our youngest is starting high school, and, uh, and that's like the, you know, family picture, that's the Instagram, but that's not what family's like, right? This is a little closer, this was last year at the beach, you know, like that's a little more like what family's like, but even that, that's still just like when you're trying to do Instagram, but like really well, you know, that's like, you know, this is what family's like. This was Christmas last year. Well, just one more time. That, that's family, right? I mean, that, that, that's what my family's like anyway. That, that's, that's what it's really like. But I, I, lo I love being here with you guys. It's a real privilege to be here. I love um, John and Lacey. It, it's, it's like mutual affection society. I mean, it's been really fun the last four or five years to spend time and get to see them a, a handful of times a year. And then got to know Lamont a little bit and love Matt Fisher, love the podcast, which you guys are doing with... with um, the podcast is incredible. Um, I listened to the last one about Barbie, and then that day went and saw the Barbie movie. I was like, yeah. Uh, I did go by myself to a matinee, so my family was a little embarrassed, but, um, but loved it. Um, and I love what God is doing here at Hill City, that you're going to get to buy this building. Is that incredible? I know if you're, if you're new, are you, maybe a lot of you are new. If you're newer, then you don't understand. But this is a really big deal that you're going to get to buy this building. So if you're newer to Hill City, I'm really glad that you're here. Next week, you get to hear John, and um, he who is incredible. But uh, we've been praying and rooting you on for this permanent home and believing in this building. And so excited 
because I have people I love who live here in Richmond. And anytime anybody's moving to Richmond, I'm like, you got to go to Hill City. There aren't that many churches like yours that are committed to the good of the city. I mean, it's really, it really is special. What you guys have here really is special. And the heart to love people and the heart to create environments where you can be curious about faith and you can ask hard questions. And we don't all have to agree on everything. It's really special. So I'm so excited to see what happens over the next few years uh, with this building. And, uh, and my biggest encouragement to you would be if you're, if you're like a Hill City insider, you're a regular, um, it's scary. But just go ahead and give way more money than you thought you should. That would be my big encouragement. Um, in our church, we've done four, I think we've done four big capital campaigns over the last 20 years. And every time, it, it, basically, it basically goes like this. You know, we have the thing, and I'm like pastor, so I kind of have to do it. But um, I, my, my wife doesn't, right? You know, she's like, she's not on staff. So, um, so we go home, and we have the, the thing and the vision, and we have this big dream, and, and then we pray about it. And, uh, and then we listen to God. What do, you, what do you want us to give? What do you want us to do? And, um, and every time it's scary. It's like real scary. Like you want us to do what? And, um, and then we just try to obey. And that's what we'd invite you to do. I, I would invite, I, I mean, I have no stake in this. I, John didn't even know I was going to say this. Um, but but I, would, I would encourage you, if you're a Hill City insider, um, to, to really think about what you're going to do for, uh, for the commons. And then, like, many of you need to add a zero or two or three. <laughs> Seriously. Man, many of you, you do. You do. You just need to add a couple zeros and just pay it up front because it's just going to make everything easier. We're gonna take, you you want to bless your staff, right? Just pay it up front. And just so they can collect all the money, do all the great things that God wants to do. And Because who else is for Richmond, guys? Who's for Richmond? No, yes, you are. So do it. So you got to do it. You got to do it because Richmond needs Hill City and Richmond needs all that you have to do. I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited. So anyway, that, that's that. Um, let me pray and then, and then we'll get into, this, get into the scriptures together. Okay, th thanks for letting me go off for a little bit. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, that we are yours. Thank you that we do have a blessed assurance. Thank you for the fact that you love us and care for us, that you've already demonstrated your love for us. And I pray today that your Holy Spirit would um, be here with us, lead us, help us to love you, to trust you more because we're together today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I get to close out the Something's Happening series, which is a real honor because I've been following you along. I've not listened to all of them, but um, I have listened, um, sort of track with you through this and uh, revival and what God is doing around the world. And God is at work in special ways. And I love John's heart, not just for the moment, but for the lasting impact in people's lives in the city and what God has been doing at Asbury, what God has been pouring out uh, in all different pockets around our communities and around the world. Something is happening. The fact that you get to buy this building is a testimony of the fact that something is happening. Something's happening. God's at work. And yet today, here's the question I, I want to ask. I want to ask, if something's happening, why is life so hard? Doesn't it seem like if something's happening, right, like life shouldn't be so hard, and yet it is. These two things are happening. Something's happening, and marriage is oftentimes more difficult than you thought it would be. 
and people make choices that you can't control. Something's happening, and if you've been a parent for very long, you're a parent of an adult child, there are times where you think, huh, that's the choice you're gonna make on that. And, and you, you wrestle and you struggle. Something's happening, and then you have physical challenges that you didn't see happening. If something's happening, why is life so hard? And I actually wanna answer the question for I'm gonna actually tell you today why I think life is so hard. I want to give you, give you two reasons. Um, the first one uh, reminded me of when I went to Nicaragua a couple weeks ago. Uh, we, we, take, we call them serve and learn trips, and we have some friends down in Nicaragua, missionaries who've been there about 10 years. Actually, my second oldest daughter is going to marry the son of the missionary from Nicaragua. So we're, I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm totally committed to our ministry in Nicaragua because it provided me a son-in-law. Uh, so, you know, one day, so I'm excited about that. So we went, that's a team of us, there were nine of us, went down to serve and to learn. And as we were preparing the team to go on the trip, right, we have to, have to teach them some things. And I said, okay, guys, if you come on this serve and learn trip, you are going to get a life-changing experience with God and diarrhea. Because that's what happens when you go to Nicaragua for a week. It's just, I'm just trying to like, hey, this, you're going to get a life-changing experience with God, and you're probably going to get diarrhea. You're going to plan for that in advance. You are going to get served some food that you can't wait to eat because it's so good, and you're going to get served some things that you'd rather not eat, and you're going to eat it anyway because that's what you do when you're in another culture. You, you are going to have a plan every day for what we're going to do, and almost every day that plan is going to be thrown out the window, and we're going to do something completely different. And, um, and not everybody got all of those things. I didn't get any diarrhea this time. It was actually phenomenal. But, um, but here, here's the interesting thing. In Nicaragua, when the food's not great, when I'm not in control, when I have an upset stomach, it just doesn't bother me that much. Honestly, it doesn't bother me that much. But when I'm at home, right, when I'm back in Virginia Beach, if I'm not feeling good, if my day doesn't go the way I planned, if I don't get to eat what I want to eat, it really bothers me. Why is that? It's one word. It's expectations expectations. The expectations that you have for your life will in many ways determine how much disappointment or frustration you have in your life. Why is life so hard? Number one, we want it to be easier than is realistic. We just do. We want life to be easier than is realistic. That's, that's, what, that's what the first few months of pregnancy are like, right? When you're dreaming your first child and you're dreaming out what it's going to be like and people are trying to tell you and you're a little nervous and then you have a kid and you think, why would anyone do this again? <laughs> then eventually it gets better and you know, maybe you have another one, right? Or all of a sudden you age and if you're blessed to continue to age, things just begin to hurt. And pains and difficulties and struggles are a part of life. I, I'm, I'm 48. I'm, I'm still at the, the place where I have an intimate, not in, intimate is the wrong word. Um, I don't have an intimate relationship with my physical therapist. That, that's, <laughs> that's not what I meant. What I meant is I have her number and I text her because I still live with this, the illusion that if something hurts, she can fix it and make it better. But I know there's a case where that's not true. I know there are some of you today who have something in your life physically that is not going away. And you are living with chronic pain. I'm actually married to someone who lives with chronic pain. Life is harder than we want it to be. Sometimes we just don't have a realistic view of what life is going to be like. Aren't we going to get to stop struggling financially at some point? Maybe. Maybe not. 
Maybe not. Sometimes we just want life to be easier than is realistic. But there is another reason, and this is the one I really want to talk about today. And the reason is we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. I don't wake up every day thinking about this, but the reality is that you do have an enemy. You have a spiritual enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you at all times. You have a spiritual enemy who wants your faith. You have a spiritual enemy that if he can't get you to turn away from Jesus by making your life hard, might make it really easy. It might actually be the raise and the vacation and the opportunity and the choices that your spiritual enemy uses because what he wants is your faith. We live in a spiritual battle. And even though something is happening, something is happening, something is happening here at Hill City, you are in a spiritual battle, and we always will be. We never get to opt out of the spiritual battle. I, I, was, thinking, um, I was thinking about this the other day, and uh, I told my, so I was talking with my kids that I was going to do, do this talk, and I was going to talk about spiritual warfare. And I was thinking, do I need to define spiritual warfare? And I was thinking, no, everybody knows what spiritual warfare was. And then sharing with this, and one of my kids had a friend over, hey, Dad, what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about spiritual warfare. And then one of my kids said, what's that? And that's how I knew I should define it for you. So here's my layman's definition of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is the battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Now you could define that lots of different ways. That's not groundbreaking there. But it's the battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And we see it all throughout the scriptures. You know the story of Jesus where he sees a man who has a demon in him, right? And he decides that he's going to cast out that demon. He's going to throw it into some pigs, I remember that story because about 10, no, maybe, maybe, maybe almost 15 years ago now, we, we were doing this VBS program. We call it Summer's Best Week. And at the end of Summer's Best Week, for that one Sunday, we have all the kids, all the kindergarten through fifth graders come into, into the auditorium with us. So it's kids and their parents, and they just had a great week, and they're celebrating Jesus, and they're hopped up on, you know, VBS energy. And um, my, my, old, my old pastor, he got up, and um, we'd had a little mix-up with the preaching schedule. And he, when he got up to preach, the passage that he had prepared his sermon on was that passage about casting the demons into the pigs. And he got up and he looked out at all the kids and he just froze and he just said, well, I guess I'm just going to go for it. So he tells the whole story and he says, yeah, kids. And then Jesus cast the demons out of the man. He cast them into the pigs and the pigs ran over the hill and they all died. He said, kids, you know the difference between demons and the boogeyman? Demons are real. And then we never had him preach VBS Sunday again. <laughs> I got it. They're like, Eric, you're in. Like, we can't have somebody who hasn't had preschoolers in a long time preach. But, but, he's not, but he's not wrong, right? Like, the difference between the last horror movie you saw that sort of weirded you out a little bit and spiritual warfare is that demons are real. Spiritual warfare is real. It is. It is. So what's the purpose of spiritual warfare? Here's where I do think we get confused, especially if you're overly Christian. Spiritual warfare is not about getting our way. Spiritual warfare, this is important, especially depending on the kind of church that you come from, your background. Spiritual warfare is not about getting our way. Now, uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with thinking about spiritual warfare more. I, I, should, I should probably think about it more. Sometimes, though, 
the more, the more Christian you are, because some of us just get a little over, not, not so much here at Hill City, but you know, sometimes we get a little, you know, people who are like a little overly Christian, right? Let me, let me just ask you, if you're, if you're a person who loves to think about spiritual warfare, how often when you think about spiritual warfare, do you think about it because something happened that's you not getting your way? Spiritual warfare is not mostly about me not getting my way. Spiritual warfare is not mostly about you not getting your way. And when we think it is, we've missed the whole point of spiritual warfare. Because the point of spiritual warfare, the point of spiritual warfare is that we learn how to stand firm. That's the purpose. The purpose of spiritual warfare is about how we stand firm. And I want to show it to you. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. It's towards the back of the New Testament. Paul was a, a missionary, a church planner. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, not all of it, but a lot of the New Testament. And he's writing in this letter to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians 6.10, he says these words, the most, maybe the most famous passage about spiritual warfare in the Bible. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. We're talking about the full armor of God. Why? So that you can get all the things you want from God if you have enough faith and fast and pray enough. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because the devil is scheming against you and you are called to stand and I am called to stand firm. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We could unpack that for days another time. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we have this struggle, and it's against all of these different principalities and powers and darkness that, that, that's out there. This, this is our spiritual battle. Now, we could spend our time today just looking at these verses in Ephesians chapter 6, and, and it would bless us and encourage us, and it would teach us more about spiritual warfare. But one of the things that John and Lacey and I have in common is that we're all Bible dorks. Um, we, we just are. Your pastor is a huge Bible dork. I mean, nerd to, to the max. That guy loves the Bible. He loves the background of the Bible. I mean, he is into the Bible. And I, and I, and I share that with him. So what, what I want to share with you today um, is that in Ephesians chapter 6, the, the first verse we read, verse 10, it started with the word finally. And the reason he started with finally is that he has been building an argument from Ephesians chapter 1 all the way through, and he's getting to the end of the argument, and he's saying, finally, you know, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. But what we, we might not see, what you might not know, is that Ephesians chapter 6 is actually in many ways a callback from Ephesians chapter 1. 
right? You familiar with callbacks? Callbacks are, are popular like in, in movies or television, right? Where, where something happens early in the season and then a brilliant writer will call back to that at the end of the season. So right now, I think the best show doing this is Ted Lasso. I'm a, a huge Ted Lasso fan. I, I, I just, I love Ted Lasso. If, you, if you've never seen Ted Lasso, um, you'll be surprised by the profanity, but delighted by Ted. Um, that's, that's Ted Lasso. So, so this is like Ted Lasso. So in season one, episode one of Ted Lasso, who is this like aw shucks uh, American football coach from the Midwest. He gets sent to England. He's coaching a Premier League football team, soccer team over in England. And he's doing his press conference in season one, episode one. And he's at this table and there's all these reporters with all these microphones. And it's getting intense and they're asking him all these questions and he doesn't know what to do. And he, someone hands him a bottle of water and he goes and he takes a drink and he spits it all over everything. Because if you've ever been to Europe, when you get a bottle of water, it'll probably be water with gas. Like their normal water is carbonated, right? So he drinks the carbonated water, spits all over it. It's hilarious. And then... In, season, uh, in episode 10 of season one, at the very end, at the very end of the season, this scene, I just want to play you this little three-second clip from the end of episode 10, season one of Ted Lasso. This is what happens. Thank you. <laughs> oh, the bubbles. I'm sorry. Did I get you? Okay, here, here's, why, here's why I show you that. Here's why I show you that. Okay, that, that, was, that was funny, right? If you didn't know anything about T Ted Lasso, like it, he spit the butt. It's not, it, like don't, don't spit on people. That's not nice. But, but it, it was funny, okay. However, that clip was really funny if you knew what was happening from episode one. That's what's happening in Ephesians, in Ephesians 6. And so I want to highlight a couple words for you from Ephesians 6 that we just read. And I want to show you how these words are repeated in Ephesians chapter 1. And I don't like to separate you from your Bible, but this is one of those times where it's a little easier to see if you can see the Greek words behind the English. So I'm going to just point them out to you. So in Ephesians 6, 10, and 11, he says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That phrase mighty power is going to show up again in chapter 1. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then we skip to verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So if we just combine those two verses, these are all the words that are going to be repeated. Finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power, for our struggle is against the rulers, the authorities, in the heavenly realms. All those words in yellow, you're going to see in Ephesians 1. So if you flip over to Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, this is what Paul had already taught. He taught in Ephesians 1, 19. That power is the same as the mighty strength. But the little Greek word there, because the New Testament was written in Greek, the little Greek word there is the same as the word mighty power. That power is the same as the mighty power he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. Now here's what I want you to see in this passage. Before Paul was saying in chapter 6, hey, you have a spiritual battle, and you have enemies in the, in the heavenly realms, spiritual enemies, what he'd already told them is good news, that that power is the mighty strength that rose Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. 
He wanted them to know. He would have thought they already know that when you are in a spiritual battle, you do not have to wonder who's going to win. The mighty power that is in you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That battle in the heavenly realms, those demons in the spiritual realms that are out to get you, Jesus is already ruling and reigning over all of them right now. So yes, we're in a battle, but Jesus has already won. The the way I said it is like this. Jesus is alive. Our victory is secure. So when you don't see anything happening, When you hear someone else say something's happening and you're not sure, you don't have to wonder. Jesus is alive. Our victory is secure. It is. It is secure, y'all. And we can take confidence in fighting our spiritual battle because of that. One of the best explanations of how life actually works um, is a theological idea called the already, not yet. Already, not yet. Actually, I'm going to put a really big diagram up here. Uh, And this will hopefully explain your life. You see the the blue line is this age. So you just go like creation, like go all the way back, follow the blue line, and where the blue line and the yellow line intersect, that's Jesus. So Jesus came right here. First coming of Christ, outpouring of the Spirit, resurrection of Christ. So all of his boom, Jesus comes. Jesus lives, dies, rises again, ascends to be with the Father, ruling and reigning over all things. So Jesus is in the heavenly realms, ruling and reigning right now. You are secure in Christ. You have forgiveness. You have the Holy Spirit, all the things that God is doing. But if you look in the top right-hand corner where the blue line and the yellow line intersect, that's when Jesus comes again and the dead in Christ are raised. And then the yellow line continues, and that's the age to come. That's the the new heavens and the new earth. That's the time where we are with Jesus and with one another. And I always like to point out the fact, no offense to Lamont, but if you think about eternity and the future and new heavens and the new earth, and you think or you've heard somebody say or read that we're going to be worshiping God forever in song, no, we're not. That does not sound like heaven to me. I mean, the music was great. It wasn't that great. No, what's it going to be? It's going to be a party. It's going to be food and drink and competition and relationship. And there might be some singing as well. But for eternity in the new heavens and the new earth, everything will be set right. We live in the already, not yet. Yes, something's happening. Jesus is alive. Your victory is secure. And we still get sick and disappointed and struggle and are in the midst of a spiritual battle. So here's what I want to say about standing firm. Standing firm is about faith in Jesus now because our victory is secure to the end. Standing firm in the midst of the spiritual battle is about faith in Jesus now because our victory is secure. And and here I chose this word too very intentionally. It's not that our victory is secure in the end, As in we have to wait until Jesus comes back. No, no, no. Our victory is secure to the end. Like right now, your victory is secure. Right now, you can have the faith to stand in the midst of whatever you're going through. Right now, you can trust that the promises of Jesus with you are greater than whatever trial you are enduring. And I just want to point out in Ephesians 6, 10, and 11, this idea of his schemes again. 
finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And now we know from verse one, that mighty power is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. So the power inside of you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That is living in you. I don't care how old you are. If you're here today and you're 13, you're 15, you're 25, you're 85, resurrection power living in you when you put your faith in Jesus. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now that word schemes just means schemes. They're all sorts of schemes. He can tailor them to each of us to try to get at us particularly. But you know what I think one of the devil's greatest schemes is? And you know what, what I think? I think over the next few weeks and months here at Hill City, one of his greatest schemes might be I think one of the devil's schemes is trying to convince you that nothing's happening. I think some of you have been really faithful to Hill City over the whole, what did John say, you've been doing this series three and a half years, I think something's happening. So 82 weeks. Um, your boy knows how to stretch out a series. I admire it. I admire it. Some of you have been here the whole 13, 14 weeks, and you keep hearing that something's happening and you you even hear that something's happening for someone else and you're wondering when it's going to happen for you when's Jesus going to come through for you and in that moment it's the y'all it's the scheme of the devil to try to convince you that nothing's happening. No, 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 no. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What power? His power that resurrected Jesus from the dead and set him above all things, ruling and reigning in the heavenly realms. That's the power at work. It is a scheme of the devil to try to convince you that nothing's happening. Don't fall for it. Stand firm. Stand firm. Standing firm is about faith in Jesus now. Because your victory is secure to the end. Don't give up. It is really true that in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence, regardless of our circumstances, is fullness of joy. One day with the Lord is better than a thousand elsewhere. It's true. It's true to be with him. He wants you to experience that now in the good times, yes, but in the midst of the struggle as well. I was thinking about this idea, and um, last, Saturday, last Saturday night, got out of uh, seeing Oppenheimer with my son and had a text from a good friend of mine who we all have kids the same age that his 20-year-old had to be taken to the hospital, and um, they did a spinal tap thing on him, and he had bacterial meningitis. It was really, really, which is... Uh, really big deal. So got up last Sunday morning, scooted over to the hospital to see him early, you know, take him, take some bagels or whatever. And I'm, I'm sitting with my friend and I'm praying with my friend in the hospital and it's bacterial. So he I can't go in and see, see his boy. And, uh, and we're in the hospital and we're praying. And I'm thinking to myself about my friend. I'm thinking, okay, what does he need right now? Okay, well, what he doesn't need is pressure to feel like if he doesn't pray good enough, God's not going to heal his son, because that's not how it works. That's crazy theology. What, what, he, what he doesn't need 
is somebody to just tell him everything's going to be okay because we don't know how things are going to go. It's a really scary disease. And what he needs is to stand firm in his faith that Jesus is right there with him. And in the midst of the fear and the confusion of that hospital room, he could stand firm because Jesus is with him. And his victory is secure to the end. I was talking with a good friend of mine who's been in a really difficult marriage for a really long time. Married over 20. It's just, it's just they've just had a really hard, they're two good people. They've just had a really hard marriage. And he was saying to me the other day, Eric, I don't know that I can do this another 20 years. And I said, buddy, I don't know what your marriage is going to be like 20 years from now. It might still be really, really hard. But here's what I know. I know Jesus can change you. You can be different. You can trust him. You can have the faith. You can find wholeness and healing. You can even find joy in the midst of your struggle. If you stand firm, don't give up. Don't give up. I'm not, I don't know what the future holds, but don't give up. When you see, you think that nothing's happening, don't give up. Something is happening. Jesus is alive. Our victory is secure. So here's the question I want to I ask you today as, as we close. Here's the question I want to ask you today. Where are you tempted to give up on Jesus because you can't see that something's happening? Where in your life are you tempted to give up on Jesus because you can't see something's happening? See, the scheme of the devil would be to get you to just give up in one area. Oh yeah, still go to church, still worship, still sing the song, still serve, still do discipleship. But you know, this part, I mean, Jesus isn't really going to do anything about that. That's the scheme of the devil. Where are you tempted? Think about it. Let, it. let the Holy Spirit bring it to mind. Where are you tempted? To give up from standing firm. Because you can't see that something's happening. And the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to solve that. You just have to name it. It's his mighty strength, not yours. You just have to bring it to him. And here's my suggestion. The simple prayer, Jesus, help me stand firm. Jesus, help me stand firm. In fact, I want to invite you even to just um, repeat that phrase with me today. Would you repeat that with me? Jesus, help me to stand firm. Let's say it again. Jesus, help me to stand firm. Let me pray for us.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the times when we see something happening so loud, so clear, so powerful in the world. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for baptism. Thank you for moments of revival breaking in. Thank you for healed marriages and restored relationships and healed kids. Thank you for all of that. And I pray for each of us now. Jesus, would you help us to stand firm when we don't see what you're up to? Would you help us to believe that the resurrection power is at work in the world today already, even when we're tempted because we can't see it? And I pray for any person who's considering giving up. Pray for any person who, who has maybe even already given up and hasn't told anyone. Would you give us the faith to once again turn to you and to simply ask for help? Jesus, help me to stand firm. Amen.